What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Now, the Lord now turns and he addresses three groups of people at this point. Verse 23, he says, You that fear the Lord, group one, praise him. All ye the seed of Jacob, group two, glorify him. And fear him, all ye the seed of Israel, group three. So the first group is a group that's described as they fear the Lord. This is the group that understands the power of the Lord. They know how the Lord with his mighty power destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah with rain, with fire and brimstone. And to this group, he says to them, you praise the Lord. Praise that God, that great God of might, who is not destroyed, but instead has opened up the doors of salvation to deliver from our sins. Praise him, praise him to bring about this great creation which he did in in Genesis 1 and 2 and 3, great creation that was all to benefit man. And you could put that after almost every verse in Genesis 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth to benefit man. And the earth was without form, and, and, and to everything is with, to benefit man, to benefit man. Praise him, praise him for the beauty of his care in sending the rain to water the earth and making food to come. But praise starts with simple things, like thanking God for the simple things, like thanking God for food. Reminds me of the orphanage in Tikati, where the 35 orphans are. Uh, with Dr. Trejo and her husband, Masio. And the, the police just come any time of night or day, and they drop these kids off at the, the, the doorstep. And, but they take them in, and they lovingly teach them about the Lord Jesus Christ. And they have dogs. They have love dogs, chickens. They have a lot of animals. And once they have them guests over there, there were some guests who came, and were not believers, and they were having lunch with the children. And one of the children there noticed that the guest just started eating, didn't thank God. So the little child says to Dr. Trejo, Trejo, Why are they eating like my dog does, not thanking God for the food? So the first call of the Lord Jesus is to those who know the power of God is to thank and praise him. And then he addresses the seed of Jacob, the Jewish people. He calls on them to glorify God. Of all the people who should glorify God, it's the Jewish people because so many times they were on the brink of annihilation 
And Jehovah Jesus steps in and he saved them from destruction. And so King David, in his Psalms, he was teaching the Jewish people in his famous many a time Psalm. In, in Psalm 129, Psalm 129, one through five, many a time have they afflicted me from my youth. May Israel now say, many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, yet have they not prevailed against me, and so forth. The plowers plowed against my back, and, and, and let those many a time, he's saying, let those many a time today in Psalm 22, let those many a time include Egypt and Babylon and Persia and Russia and Nazi Germany and the Palestinians and the, and the Arabs and so forth. Many a time have the enemies of the Jewish people licked their chops and said in Psalm 83.3, Psalm 83.3, they have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance for they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee. And so every time when they thought that now it is the final solution, they're gonna destroy the Jewish people, God saved them. And so therefore, David says to them, would you please say, let in, in Psalm 118.2, Psalm 118.2, let Israel now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let the house of Aaron now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let them now that fear the Lord say that his mercy endureth forever. All that the earth would hear the Jewish people glorify God and say his mercy endured forever and the many a time we were gonna be destroyed, but he saved us. And so he calls on them, seed of Jacob, to praise him. And then he says, fear him, fear him, all ye the seed of Israel. Now, he has just made a transition from going, calling people, calling them Jacob to calling them Israel. And this is a very important transmission because in that transition, God is reminding them, the Jewish people, of the great change that happened to Jacob in that monumental chapter for them in chapter uh, 32, uh, Genesis 32. When the headstrong Jacob was broken, actually his hip was put out of joint, and the wrestler against God became a clinger to God, and in Genesis 32, 26, his name was changed. Genesis 32, 26, he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. That was a great turn that happened for Jacob when Jacob, he just didn't want Jehovah Jesus. He just didn't need Jehovah Jesus. He said at that point, I must have Jehovah Jesus. And that's when the great name changed happened in verse 28, Genesis 32, 28. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel for as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. So when Jacob made this monumental change in his heart to become a clinger to God, God pointed his finger at him and said to him, Israel, and that was the beginning of the name of Israel. No longer Jacob, Israel clings to God. Jacob wrestles with God. So the name of Israel represents a great change and a change from being a self-willed man to being a God-needed, God-directed man. A change from being a man who was, God means nothing to me, to, to a man who says, God means everything to me. And this is the image that God is calling to the Jewish people to remember when he calls on the seed of Israel here by calling them, in this passage here, the seed of Israel. God is saying to them, you are descendants of the man who turned from running away from God to running to God. Follow your, follow your father. Follow Jacob. Follow Jacob. And as he transforms from his Jacobness to Israel, it's so important when he, he, he says, uh, 
Fear him, all ye the seed of Israel, in verse 23. Verse 23. Fear him, all ye the seed of Israel. Now, fear, it's not the same as the fear before you that fear the Lord. This is a different word. Again, you know, I wouldn't use fear, but they didn't ask me, so what can I do anyway? The fear is gur, gur. This is gur, the Hebrew word gur. Gur is a very interesting word that you can see the meaning from, from Ruth 1, Ruth 1.1, 1, 1, the first verse in the book of Ruth. When it talks about, uh, it gives a history about the people there in Ruth 1, it says, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. This word sojourn is the word gur. It means you live there, go, go live there, go dwell there, go that's make that place your home. That's what he did. This is the word that's used in verse 23. So when it says, fear him, all you the seed of Israel, it's really live with God, all you the seed of Israel. Dwell with God, make God your home, just like uh, this man did in Ruth 1 here. He made Moab his home, so the call here is live with God. Make that great turn, abide with God, dwell with Jehovah Jesus, just like the Lord Jesus said in, in John 15, 4. John 15, 4, abide in me and I in you. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Without me you can do nothing. That's why this hymnal are so vitally important. When the word of God dwells in you richly, which is really the word of Christ, when the word of Christ dwells in you richly, you will sing to yourself spiritual songs and hymns and make melody in the, to the Lord in your heart. That's why it's so, this is all what's involved in abiding in him and living with him. And he says, if you abide in me, in, in John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you, John 15, 7. So having a life where the words are living inside of us, having a life where the hymns are living inside of us, that's what it means to abide, to live with. Verse 23, live with God, all ye the seed of Israel, to abide in the word and prayer and hymns. And this is the great change that he's calling the Jewish people to, to make. And it's a radical change. It's not just to be familiar with the fact that Jesus is God and to know all the doctrines. It's where the word of the Lord Jesus becomes embedded in the heart and the life becomes a life of prayer for everything. And this can only happen when there is this dramatic change from Jacob to Israel, from I do my thing, I myself will, to I do God's thing. And who among the Jewish people would ever make a change like this? I mean, I ask myself this question all the time. I say, I don't know. Is it possible? Who, who, who? Only one person. And that person is described in verse 24. This is why verse 24 is so important. And this is why it's put here. Because it says, he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, neither hath he hid his faith from him. When he cried, he heard. The only person, Jewish or non-Jewish, doesn't matter. The only person who makes such a dramatic change from going away from the Lord Jesus to going to the Lord Jesus is the person who is described as the afflicted. The afflicted. The afflicted is the one who cries out to God. The person who is desperate, the person who is at the end of his rope, the person that is described in verse 24 as not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he doesn't hide his face from him, but when he cries, he hears. God is a person 
unlike the Pharisees, who does not look down on and does not turn away from the affliction of the afflicted. God is the person who does not hide his face from the person who calls out to him for mercy. God, be merciful to me as a sinner. God is the person who hears those prayers of the afflicted. I told you this. It reminds me of Dorothy Greenstein, who was a Holocaust survivor from Poland, who became, we became close friends in, in 2011, and for seven years, whenever I would tell her, Dorothy, you need to turn to the Lord Jesus. You met Dorothy, Jason, yeah. It, Dorothy would yell at me and tell me, you know, the nicest thing she ever said to me was, you and I go to different congregations, that's all. But, but I would pray for her in Jesus' name, and she never said amen. But it all changed. When she was 88 years old, the diabetes got worse, the hernias became so critical, everything was going wrong. She had melanoma, and one day, Sergio, a believer who was, being, who was also being taught Hebrew by Dorothy, and Sergio asked Dorothy to read Isaiah 53 in Hebrew, and when she did, she started to shake, she started to tremble, and she said, this is, this is Yeshua, isn't it? And Sergio told that it was, and then Sergio explained to her that, that the great peace that he got in his life when he let Yeshua come into his heart and, and confess his sins. And, and so she said, how do I get that? How do I get that? She said, how do I get that peace? And Sergio just very gently, very calmly, just explained to her, didn't say, pray these words after me, just said, this is what you must do. And he went through the sinner's prayer. And a week later, he asked her, he said, did you pray that prayer? And she said, I did. So, and then she died. What made Dorothy change? The afflictions of the afflicted. And when the afflicted Dorothy turned to Jehovah Jesus with all of her afflictions, what did, Je what did Jehovah Jesus do for Dorothy? Verse 24, he did not despise nor abhor the affliction, the word anut, the affliction of the afflicted, the word ani, neither hath he hid his face from, from him or her when he cried. He heard, he heard Dorothy's prayer. And why does Jehovah Jesus hear the prayer of the affliction, be, of the afflicted? Because he was afflicted. In Isaiah 53, this is the whole description of him as the afflicted one. In Isaiah 53, 4, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. We did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Anna, same word, afflicted. And in verse 7, Isaiah 53, 7, 53, 7, he was oppressed, he was afflicted, Anna. Yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before his shears is dumb. He opens not his mouth. All these Hebrew words, anut, ani, ana, all come from the same root that means to be bowed down, to be depressed. And this is how the Lord Jesus is portrayed, the Messiah is portrayed to the people. You will recognize him by Zechariah 9.9. Zechariah 9.9, God was saying to Israel, watch for the one. Zechariah 9, 9, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly, ani, afflicted, and riding upon an ass upon the colt of full of an ass. Palm Sunday, the Lord Jesus rides into Jerusalem. How is he? He's afflicted. He's lowly, ani, and he's riding there on the donkey. He's the afflicted one. That's why he doesn't despise in verse 24 the, the, or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. So as he thinks about God, hears his prayer of the afflicted, then he says in verse 23, 25, verse 25, my praise is gonna be of you in the great congregation. The Hebrew, Hebrew words here are, are from Jehovah comes my praise. I can't help it. 
You know, exactly the same words when it, in uh, Psalm 118, 22, Psalm 118, 22, where it says, the stone which the builders rejected is become the head cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. From Jehovah comes this. So what the Lord is saying here is that the origin of his praise comes from God, and he's going to pay his vow. And now he describes those who are really happy and satisfied. In verse 26, he said, it's the meek. It's the meek. The meek shall eat and be satisfied, and they shall praise the Lord and seek him, and your heart shall live forever. It's the, it's the meek. It's the anavim. It's the afflicted ones. Again, the afflicted ones. When you bring the gospel to a person, you are looking for the afflicted one, and sometimes you can't tell. Sometimes they look like real non-afflicted on the outside, but Paul was very afflicted on the inside, described as having kicking against thorns. But that's the ones who turn to God, and those are the ones who want to find the true satisfaction in life, the true inner peace, the true contentment. And those are the ones that God addresses, and he says, look, you're in a rat race. You're running around in, in life, and you're never arriving, and you're doing, and never achieving, and you're gaining, and never and never, never feel satisfied. And so God says to them in Isaiah 55, 2, Isaiah 55, 2, wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat that which is good. Let your soul delight itself in fatness. How disappointing to come to the end of a life, spend a whole life working for something, you don't know what it is, and you don't get it. And the Lord says in Mark 8.36, Mark 8.36, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What if he did? What if he gained the whole world, got it all, and he lost his own soul? Imagine the disappointment. And so God looks at his people, Israel, and he says, and you can almost see God doing this, he goes, oh, in Jeremiah 2.13, Jeremiah 2.13, he says, my people, you know, you kind of wonder sometimes if God sort of like says, my people again? My people have committed two evils, but he never stops calling them my people, and he's, but he's frustrated. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. It's like you say to the angels, look at them down there. Would have been bad enough if they just forsake me, but now they're spending their whole life digging out. Imagine the hard work involved in building a cistern and the disappointment of uncovering the cistern and finding out there's no water in it because it was broken. And so the question comes back, well, then who really is satisfied in life? The answer is the anavim, the anavim, the meek, the, the afflicted, the afflicted who call on the Lord, who, who are bowed down, depressed. They seek the Lord Jesus. Those are the ones who find God and, he, and God says about them in Jeremiah 29, 13, Jeremiah 20, 30, 29, 13, you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. The afflicted one. What's this saying? Nobody strolls into God's presence. Nobody, no strollers find God. No drifters drift to God. No drifters find God. It's the afflicted. And then he has a wonderful gift for them in verse 26. Your heart is going to live forever. You thought you wanted this? I give you Better. Your heart's gonna live for your heart's gonna live forever. You're gonna have eternal life. And that was that was what was my wife at Grossmont Hospital when she knew before the doctors even knew when she when we went to the emergency room, she she knew she was gonna die. And she started telling everybody she's gonna die. And we started saying, No, you're not gonna die. She said, No, I'm gonna die. And then she started saying, And don't do anything heroic for me. Because she everybody who came into the room, she said, I want you to know I have eternal life. I have eternal life. And everybody come in the room said, I have eternal life. And what she was simply saying was 1 John 5, 12. 1 John 5, 12. He that hath the Son hath life. 
he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So she said to herself, I sought the Lord, I gained the Son, I have the Son, I have life. And that's what he's referring to here when he says in verse 26, your heart, your heart shall live forever. And now he turns from Israel to the rest of the world in verse 27. Verse 27, all the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the kings of the nation shall worship before thee. This is the fruit of his sacrifice in the psalm. It's the ends of the world. And he says, they're going to remember. Why does he say remember? Because they forgot God. They forgot God. In Psalm 91, 7, Psalm 9, 7, Psalm 9, 17, Psalm 9, 17, it says, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. They forgot God, but God didn't forget them. And so he, this is the God, says about him in 1 Timothy 2, 4, 1 Timothy 2, 4, he will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. No matter how much a person tries to build their life away from God, he says in verse 28, verse 28, Psalm 22, verse 28, the kingdom is the Lord's. He's the governor among the nations. All that be fat on the earth, they'll eat, they'll worship, they'll bow. All they go down the dust shall bow before him, and none can keep alive his own soul. He's the ruler. It's just like it says in Psalm 2, yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. In Isaiah 45, 23, I have sworn by myself, Isaiah 45, 23, I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall, shall swear. And then in Philippians 2.10, Philippians 2.10, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow at things in heaven, things on earth. And the tragedy is that try as they will, no one is able to keep alive his own soul. Just like you said in John 14.6, when he said that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no other way, there's no other life, there's no other truth, and nobody comes to the Father except by him. And now the question was raised in Isaiah 53. There was a great question raised in Isaiah 53. After all, kings have progeny. Kings have son. There is a line of the kings. Here is the king of the Jews, and he has, he not get married, he has no sons. And so the great question is raised in Isaiah 53.8. Isaiah 53.8. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? Where are his, where's his generation? Where are his son? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. The Lord Jesus was that. And so that's the great question that was asked in Isaiah 53, 8. And the answer is in Psalm twenty-two thirty. 30. It's in verse 30. A seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come and declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born, that he hath done this. Where is his seed? We are his seed. He says, those that serve him are his seed. His seed, that's the generation. And what do they do? They come, they step forward, they speak. And most of all, they declare what he did. His accomplishment of his atonement in Psalm 22 is a great accomplishment, the work of atonement. He accomplished our redemption here. He's finished the work of our salvation here. So the last two words of this psalm end in Hebrew, ki asa, ki asa, that he did this, that he accomplished this. 
that accomplished, literally, that accomplished, sure, those are the words that he cried out from, from the cross when he said, it is finished, because he wasn't speaking Greek, so he didn't say telestai. So he said, asa, finished, accomplished. A seed comes now behind him, that's you and I, and we speak of what he did accomplish on the cross. This is Psalm 22, a remarkable expose of what the Lord Jesus accomplished on the cross. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.